0: All right, turn in your Bibles to the book of Exodus, and we're going to jump right into chapter 14. As we journey through the Israel, with the Israelites to the promised land, there's a lot that we grab for ourselves. There's a lot that we take out of it. As is evidenced all throughout the New, Test, throughout the New Testament, these guys are brought up. All throughout the New Testament, it says things like, these things happen to them as examples for us. We know we're not them, you know. <laughs> we're here in 2016. We, we're not escaping physical slavery, although you see yourselves in this. We came out of bondage. We came out of the bondage of sin. We came out of the bondage of the world. We came out of darkness, and we're moving into light. We've come into the kingdom of God. And uh, so we see a lot of ourselves in them. And as they begin to walk through their fears and through their victories and triumphs, I see myself in them, and there's things I want to avoid, and there's things I want to do right. So in Exodus chapter 14, we've gotten to the point where they're leaving Egypt. Last week, we talked about the, the final plagues. We talked about uh, those, those last days where they were in Egypt. Now they're leaving. And Pharaoh, even though with a heavy heart, he said they can go, he changed his mind again, realized that how are we going to keep the country running without all our slaves, not only that, but I imagine his pride's a bit bruised. His heart is hard, so he says, "Okay, we're gonna we're going chase them down." It says this in Exodus chapter fourteen. Now the Lord's now Yahweh spoke to Moses, saying, "Tell the sons of Israel to turn back and camp before Pi Haharoth, between Migdol and the sea." And you shall camp in front of Baal Ziphon, beside it by the sea. For Pharaoh will say to the sons of Israel, They are wandering aimlessly in the land, the wilderness has shut them in. Thus I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will chase after them, and I will be honored through Pharaoh and all his army. The Egyptians will know that I am Yahweh. And they did so. When the king of Egypt was told that his people had fled, that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his servants had a change of heart toward the people, and they said, What is this that we have done, that we have let Israel go from serving us? So he made his chariot ready, and he took his people with him. And he took 600 select chariots and all the other chariots of Egypt with officers all over them, over all of them. Yahweh hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. He chased after the sons of Israel as the sons of Israel were going out boldly. Then the Egyptians chased after them with all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh, his horsemen and all his army. And they overtook them camping by the sea. Beside Pi-Hahiroth, in front of baal Zephon. And as Pharaoh drew near, the sons of Israel looked, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they became very frightened. So the sons of Israel cried out to Yahweh. Then they said to Moses, is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you've dealt with us in this way, bringing us out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we spoke to you in Egypt, saying, leave us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. We're going to stop there for a second. Just pause. Oh. And I want to remind you what it says in Hebrews chapter 11. It says, Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11 says, by faith the Israelites passed through the Red Sea as though it were dry land. And when the Egyptians tried to follow them, they were dry. Listen to it. It says, by faith the Israelites passed through the Red Sea. See, when I read that, I go, what faith are you noticing? What faith are you seeing in these guys? You mean these, these wimps that are crying out? You know, why didn't you just leave us to die in Egypt? Were there enough graves there? Did you just, is this a giant prank you're pulling on us, God? What faith? Well, they had enough faith to do something. Sometimes we view these people as superheroes of faith, like we could never touch them. So we read through Hebrews 11. Oh, look at those faith heroes. Look at those faith heroes. In fact, Hebrews 11 ends by saying men and women that the world was not worthy of. And we go, well, of course they did great things for God. They're faith heroes. What about me? Well, if you ever feel that way, just look at the fact that he says by faith, these guys passed through the ritz. These guys got to the faith hall of fame. Lord knows they didn't do a whole lot to deserve, but they got there. Here they are. Crying out, frustrated, because this is what they said in Egypt. They said, "Leave us alone. It's not going to work." I'll just tell you right now, it is always safer. It's way safer. It's even way more popular. It's way easier for you to live a life where you stay in bondage, rather than you to live a life where you're bravely and courageously stepping out in faith and following where God wants, to. where God wants to take you. Is, is an area of impossible things, of miraculous things, of things that are going to stretch you and stretch your faith. It will always be easier. It will always be more tempting to stay even, even where you're suffering, even in a place of bondage. The Israelites said, why don't you just leave us? We told you this. They cried out to the Lord. And you know, it's good to cry out to the Lord. I think we all know that the Bible says, I cried out to the Lord with my voice and he heard me and he answered. Me. Scripture says, call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. You know, it's good to cry out to the Lord, but their crying out to the Lord isn't, isn't a cry of, you know, we need you. Their cry to the Lord is a cry of, how dare you? And they, as they speak to Moses, not only do they cry out to the Lord, but they, they start getting after Moses. And they say, why did you bring us now, as much as we see them as quitters, maybe, as panickers, uh, put yourself in their, their shoes. They've, they've not just left Egypt. They left Egypt thinking that nobody would follow them. Surely after all that God did, after all the signs, after all the plagues, surely the Egyptians will stay home. Those Egyptians are stubborn and they keep following them and it's not just a bunch of guys with pitchforks following them. It's the army, the elite Egyptian army. One of the most powerful armies of that whole historic time. It's running after them. Hey, what do you think the Israelites are equipped with? Do you think these men, are tra- men and women are trained in war? No. They've been slaves all their life. They haven't been part of the Egyptian army. They don't know how to fight. And here they are with an Egyptian an army that has has set up an empire and defended an empire following them. And in front of them is the sea. What option? Seems like that. Now, we could easily say, guys, don't you remember what God did back in Egypt? Don't you remember the plague of frogs? Don't you remember the plague of flies? Don't you remember the plague of boils? Don't you remember the water turning to blood? Don't you remember all of this? Don't you remember... That the Lord spared us and everybody else's firstborn died except ours. You, don't you remember that? Don't you remember that it got dark in the middle of the day? But all that's history now. Right now, in the moment, they're freaked out. We'd, be, we'd all be a lot better if we had a better memory of what God had done for us. So often, we, we forget what He's done. See, yeah, we could sit here and talk about the miracles talk about the times God came through for us but in the moment where your faith is stretched in the moment where you're under attack in the moment where it seems everything is coming against you that's the moment where your memory needs to remind you your spirit needs to remind you he's been faithful he will be faithful they panic panic is not a good one. I think we'd all be better off leave us alone didn't we tell you leave us alone we'd rather serve the Egyptians die in the wilderness. A whole lot of people alive today would let, rather live in bondage than live in faith. Faith is faith is Anyways, ways it causes you to have to, to forget about what you can do and trust in a God you can't It's easier to stay in Egypt. That's no way to get to slaves in Egypt. When you come out of Egypt, you come out of Here's what happens. They cry out. Then they get mad at Moses. And then it says this. Moses said to the people, Do not fear. Stand by and see the salvation of Yahweh, which we will, he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians who you've seen today, you will never see them again forever. Yahweh will fight for you. While you keep silent, <laughs> I love how he tossed that in. I believe he was speaking by the word of the Lord. Notice what he says The Lord Yahweh will fight for you while you shut your mouths. Keep silent. Because you're only digging yourself a bigger hole. Now listen, there's nothing wrong with calling out to the Lord. There's nothing wrong. In fact, you should bring your problems to God. But once you bring your problems to the Lord, You've got to actually listen to what he asks. You see, if your time with God, or maybe you know, you've got a friend that is your, you know, your encourager, somebody that, that helps you in these times, if your time is, is, is just venting, and I know what it's like. Sometimes you just want to vent. If, if all it is benting, venting, these are my problems, these are my problems, you'll get very little accomplished. That's our friend that lives in the baptismal t- He'll mind, he'll, he'll go back to sleep. <laughs> if all we're doing is vent, nothing's to a- come. You know, throughout the Psalms, David is not afraid to say to God, God, why is it happening? But you notice he always lets God respond. By the end of the song, he's hopeful. By the end of the song, he's praising. By the end of the song, there's, there's, there's light at the end of the tunnel. Our prayers, there's nothing wrong. Don't ever think you're wrong to be honest with Don't think you need to, to pray a sanitized prayer. I believe, by, I believe in praying by faith. But I also believe scripturally there are times where you just need to be honest with God about where you're at. You need to stay in the conversation long enough for him to say, okay, that's where you're at. That's where you're at. Let me take you to where you need. Let me show you where I am. Moses says, all right. I hear you. Don't fear. Watch what God does. Be quiet. Stop talking. I think this is kind of a lesson we all need to take home. There's a time, stop talking. Until you can get on God's side of the issue. You know what I'm saying? There's the panic side because you don't see a way out of it. And there's the faith side. You say, I may not see a way out of it, but I know my God is faithful. I know God is greater. I know God is mighty. If you can get on that side, go ahead. But until you can get on that side, you you say what you need to say to the Lord, and then maybe the best thing for you is to stop talking. Just keep silent and let God do what he does. You know, it's funny that we think about when the Israelites walked around Jericho, walls came down when they shouted, we think of that shout. They, they walked around. They just marched around the walls. Then they shouted and the walls came down. There's kid songs about it. Elvis sang about it. We I mean, this is a classic moment. What we don't talk about are the, all the times they walked around and God said, walk around and don't stain. You know how hard that was? Just walk around a city for many for that many times, walk around a walled city. Why? Because... They were going to get themselves. In. And the best thing you could do is, is if you can't say anything, this is kind of the thumper policy. If you can't say anything good, don't say anything. Now, I'm not telling you guys that you need to be fake or blasphemy. Like I said, you read the Bible, you read the Psalms, it's a very honest conversation. The scripture says we are laid open before him, he sees everything. You don't need to pretend. You don't need to be fake. There's a difference between being fake and having faith. See, being fake, you're saying something that you don't believe. Having faith that I don't see it now, but I know that his word is true. I don't see it. I may not feel it. I may not even be able to comprehend it, but I know he's faithful. That's what I'm fake not... Not fake. I'm not asking you to be a lie. I'm asking you to believe in a greater which God is Which that He is That scripture says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous. The Lord delivers them out of Do you believe that? He says here, The Lord will fight for you, you. Thing you could do right now is to shut your mouth. And he says, "What's interesting is, is, we've got a little break. Any of you have that little carriage return mark at the beginning of chapter 15? You know what I'm talking about? The little paragraph break symbol. That means there's a little break in the text. And the next thing we see is that the Lord is talking to Moses. What does the Lord say to Moses? What does Yahweh say to Moses? He says this." He says, why are you crying out to me? Tell the sons of Israel to go forward. So I'm just, I'm inferring from this. I've got no proof that this happened, but this is what I infer from the text. The people cried out to Moses. Moses acts very brave in front of the people. Hey, be bold, don't fear. Keep silent and watch what God does. And then Moses finds some alone. God, what are you going to do? I'm pretty sure he said this because God responds to him, why are you talking to me? Why are you crying out to me right now? But I'm also pretty sure he does that because I do that all the time too. You know, this is, this is the life of a leader. The, I mean, this is anytime you're, you know, God calls you to lead people, this is what happens. People say, this is the problem. You respond, well, God can do that. He's great, he's mighty. And then you go, God, you can do this, right? And I just put myself on the line here. People are mad at me right now. The Lord says, why are you crying out to me? Why do you think we're crying out to you, Lord? There's an army behind us and there's a sea in front of us. Can you tell me a better time that we should cry out to you? But what's the criteria here for us crying out? Does it Do they need to be right at our throat? Or when do, we, when do we do this? The Lord says, tell the people to go forward. Now, the reason it's so important that we see this is because Throughout history, people have looked back and, and, and we've, we've interspersed the story with Psalms 46, which we'll read tonight, because they do go together. And we've assumed that God told them to just stay still and don't do anything. But that's not true. God told them, first of all, quit complaining. Quit panic. In fact, when we see that, be still, In Psalm 46, it says, stop striving and know that I am God. Quit your striving. What does that mean? Stop struggling. Quit panicking. Know that I am God. But see, they didn't just stand back and do nothing. What did they have to do? Start walking. Tell the people to start moving forward. See, the people had to start moving forward even before the sea opened. Start moving forward. God didn't just tell them, stand still. They opened their eyes and they were on the other side. They had to walk by faith. That's why in Hebrews 11 it says, by faith, the Israelites passed through the Red Sea as though on dry land. You may think, well, we'd all have faith. If the sea opened in front of us like it did, I saw the movie The Ten Commandments. I saw the movie Prince of Egypt. I saw the the lesser quality movie that Russell Crowe was in. No, Christian Bale. I saw that movie, Gods and Kings. Yeah, I know how it looked. I would have been brave if I saw that. Maybe we think that, but it still would have taken mm-hmm. here's what happens. Tell the sons of Israel to go forward. Then he says this, as for you, lift up your staff, stretch it out your hand over the sea, and divide it. And the sons of Israel shall go through the midst of the sea on dry land. As for me, behold, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they'll go in after them. And I will be honored through Pharaoh and all his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. Then the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord, I am Yahweh. When I am honored through Pharaoh, through his chariots and his horsemen, the angel of God, who had been going before the camp of Israel, moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud moved before them. That is is. Isn't that really cool. The angel of the Lord is fighting on their behalf and has been going before them the whole way. Now this angel is behind them and this cloud goes them. and now the Egyptians can't see them anymore. I think that's really cool. Then here's what happens. So it came between the camp of Egypt and the camp of Israel. There was a cloud along with darkness, yet it gave light at night. Thus the one did not come near the other all night. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. The Lord Yahweh swept back the sea by a strong east wind all night and turned the sea into dry land so the waters were but The sons of Israel went through the midst of the sea on the dry land. The waters were like a wall to them, a right hand on their left. So just think about this. When they reached the sea, what we can tell is daytime. They complain, they cry out. Moses answers. Tells them to move forward. Start walking towards. Them. They get right up to this, and then they wait. And while they're waiting, day turns to night. It's dark. While they were waiting, a cloud—the cloud that was in front of them, which was the angel of the Lord—had gone behind them. It blocked the view of the Egyptians, and then it turned to darkness. Night came, and yet that cloud then turned bright, like fire. So the Egyptians couldn't come near the Israelites. So I want you to think about this all night. All night the Egyptians are right there, but the Egyptians can't come close to them because there's a wall of fire between And all night God is whipping up the See, sometimes we think this happened instantly, And right? then here's what the scripture says. It says then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and the Lord Yahweh swept the sea back by a strong east wind all night and turned the sea into dry lands. The waters. All night they have to wait. All night God is using this wind whoo, to turn water. That's a tough night. Powerful. Egyptians, who knows what they sitting there thinking, let's go get them, but they can't. There's something in front of them. Then it says in verse 23, Then the Egyptians took up the pursuit, and all the Pharaoh's horses, chariots and the horsemen went in after them into the midst of the sea. At the morning watch, Yahweh looked down on the army of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire. Now, for those of you who haven't been with us, the reason I keep saying Yahweh, is it says in your Bible, most Bibles, it says the Lord. But that when it's all capitals Lord, that's, that's literally in the Hebrew, Yahweh. And that's different from Lord Adonai. God said, this is my name. He said to Moses, nobody before you has known my name. He said, I was with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but by my name, they did not know. Now I'm revealing my name. So when you see Lord, capital L, little O-R-D, that's Adonai. That's Lord, that's Master. But when you see all capitals Lord, And I think it's important. You can still call it Lord, but I think it's it's important for me to remember that he was calling himself by his name, not just by a title, but by his name. That name contains everything. That name is tied into what he said to Moses, I am. That name is tied into so many things and so much significance, and we could spend uh, a six-week series on that name alone. But it's important. They knew him his name carried his character. His name carried his power. His name showed them, I am your, your God. I am your deliverer. I am your healer. I am your right. I am the one who, I am. Yahweh looked down on the army of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and cloud and brought the army of the Egyptians into confusion. He caused their chariot's wheels to swerve. He made them drive with difficulty. So the Egyptians said, Let us flee from Israel, for Yahweh is fighting for them against the Egyptians. Then Yahweh said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea, so that the waters may come back over the Egyptians, over their chariots, and over their horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hands over the sea, and the sea returned to its normal state at daybreak, while the Egyptians were fleeing right into it. Then Yahweh overthrew the Egyptians into the midst of the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots and horsemen even Pharaoh's entire army that had gone into the sea after him, not even one of them. The sons of Israel walked on dry land through the midst of the sea, the waters were like a wall to them on the right and on the left. Thus Yahweh saved Israel that day from the end of the year. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. When Israel saw the great power that Yahweh had used against the Egyptians, the people feared Yahweh, and they believed in Yahweh and in you got to remember these people's history. When they were kids, Pharaoh of the Egyptians had ordered that the boys would be killed as soon as they left. Many of them survived. Complete genocide. Then they had all been made slaves all their lives, told that they were less, told that they weren't even on the same level of human as the rest. Of them. This is the reality. They don't really know God. They know they have God. They know there is a God, but they don't know him. So Moses shows up. God So everything that's about to happen, everything that has happened to them, is introducing them to the God. In fact, the that God. That, but they're having to relearn. They're having to learn as if for the first time. Trust. As they leave, and as they look back, and after they saw that, they feared the Lord. And they believed in the Lord, and they believed in his servant. It seems like, well, why did God have to kill that, kill all those Egyptians? Why did they have to die? The truth of the matter is, they were soldiers. If they couldn't cross the sea, they would have gone around it. The Israelites were on foot with kids, animals. And all their possessions, the Egyptians had chariots. It would have caught them in no time and wiped them out. Not only that, but God also cared for the people of Egypt, and it mattered to Him that they know that. Then the Egyptians will know. Beyond all that, Israelite. Let's just take this back to our world for a second. Let's take it back to where we live. It, I don't know, if, have any of you literally stood in front of a body of water and it split and you walked through it? Anybody had that happen? We're going to try it on Wednesday night at Sandy. <laughs> Can't baptize people without water. We haven't literally done that. We've experienced, we've experienced those moments where you have no way through. On, on, you, you know your, the old saying, you're caught between a rock and a hard place. Well, that could easily say, I'm, I'm caught between an army and the sea. I'm caught between one of the most powerful armies in the world and the sea. And there's no good options. You ever felt like there were no good options? I feel like that time to time. We all have. And you see, what we're tempted to do is go into a panic mode. Some of you, your panic mode is the fetal position. Some of you, your panic mode is anger, like the Israelites to Moses. Some of you, your panic mode is not anger, it's not quitting, but it is frantically trying to come up with a plan. All of them are in... Remember what the scripture said in Psalm 46. Cease striving. Quit your struggling. You know those traps where the more you struggle, the more tangled you get? You know, the the Chinese handcuffs? So the more you pull, the tighter it gets. I'm reminded in the Psalms, it talks about, we, we talked about this a few weeks ago. It talks about that moment where, where the psalmist writes, He says, I feel like I'm surrounded. I feel like the cords of death are entangling me. They're all around me. I feel like they're closing in on me. And I feel, I've been there, I don't know if you have, I'm sure we all have, been in that place where it felt like all our options were getting smaller, felt like the walls were closing in. Felt like things were wrapping around us and we couldn't. And I called out to you, Lord. You brought me to abroad. God is able to bring you from that place where you feel you're out of options To abroad. But it doesn't come through your strategy. It doesn't come through your panic. It doesn't come through your anger. It doesn't even come through your... You might say, well... Isn't quitting the answer? Isn't that what God told the Israelites to do? God didn't tell the Israelites to quit altogether. He told them to quit whining, quit striving, quit panicking. They still had to walk. See, if all the Israelites just laid down on the beach, curled up in the fetal position and said, okay, God, whatever you want to do, just do. They all would have died. They had to get up. They had to stop panicking. And they had to start walking through an impossible possible situation. That's why it was 11. It might have just been a little bit. Show of hands. Army behind you, see in front of you. How many of you, if you'd never read this story, how many of you would have said, let's just go right through the wall? Charlie would have. Carly, you got some scuba to or something, right? That you pass around. (laughs) It's not a human reaction to come up with a plan. It's not normal. We wouldn't, you know, it's not something most of us would come up with. Let's just walk through this. We'll all die. We'll drown. Surely our our animals will. How are we going to get through? So many times we we come to these impossible situations and say, well, what can we do? We put our put everything in a pro and a con column. We put in our plus and minus. When really what we need to do is see. The scripture says he led us out by. Jesus, I'm the good shepherd. My sheep know me. My sheep follow me because they hear my. God has a way no one's ever. Th- in fact, God's had a way that the reason no one's ever thought of it is because it's impossible. Remember, Hebrews 11 says. Not just that the Israelites passed through the Red Sea, but it also says when the Egyptians tried it, they drowned. There are solutions. There are are ways out that God has for you. Remember, the Bible says for every trial, for every temptation, the Lord provides a way of escape. You got to know that. There is a way of escape. Here's what we got to remember. That way of escape may be something you would never come up with. And it might be something that you are able to do because God is with you that if somebody tried to copy you they would fail. Some of the things that God has called us to can't be replicated without Him. In fact, most of the things we're not living in in an area where everything's possible. We're living in an area where everything's impossible without Him. Through Him, all things. You gotta believe that. What do I have to do? Stop stop struggling no I am God the first thing we got to do is stop panicking and saying who's God here? it's not me and it's not the enemy those are the two things I got to figure out first of all I'm not God so I need to just stop ha- frantically trying to figure out what I'm going to do and the second thing whatever's attacking me that's not God either you know the devil's not all powerful There's no enemy that's all powerful. There's only one God, and He's for you. So the two things I gotta realize, I gotta realize I'm not God, and I gotta realize my enemy isn't God. Who is God? Love when it says in the Psalms, I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Maker of Heaven. I lift my eyes. Problem is, we're in that moment of panic. We're looking down. We're looking around. Barely looking. That's where you could just stop panicking long enough. Listen for a bit. You know, see, it's good. To, the Bible says in Philippians four, it says, "Be anxious for nothing. Don't worry about anything." but pray about everything. That's right. Worry about nothing, pray about everything. So there's not one thing that's too small, not one thing that's too big. Then what is this? It? it says, but in everything, bring your supplication, bring your requests to the Lord with all prayer and petition, with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to you. And the God of peace, it says the peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Now that's a huge thought. That God would guard us in those times. This is, this is what I need to remember all the time. He says, Don't, stop worrying about stuff. Instead, bring it to the Lord. With what? Bring your requests. Bring your issues. And then it says, with Thanksgiving. What does Thanksgiving remind us? If the Israelites had... had stopped and taken some time to be thankful, what would they have been thankful for? God, you brought us out of Egypt. God, you delivered us with signs and wonders of variety. God, you spared our family. You did all of this. God, you, you even sent us out of Egypt laden with silver and gold. Their thanksgiving would have brought them back to a place where they believed God is able. Instead, they weren't in a place where they believed God was able. They, believed, they were in a place where they thought God had abandoned Thanksgiving brings you back to that side where you know God can do this. But then it says, when you do this, you bring it to God with thanksgiving. Then his peace guards your heart. See that word in the New Testament, guard? That's a Greek word that's even used in the book of Acts when the city officials were trying to capture Paul and they surrounded, they, they set up a garrison surrounding the city with soldiers. So imagine God surrounding your heart and your mind guarding. Nothing's getting Peace of God, it says, which surpasses all comprehension, which goes beyond your mind, your ability to get it. See, this is why you need to hear this. This is why I need to hear this. Because my biggest struggle in these moments is that I would have spent the whole time trying to figure out a way around the sea or a way through the Egyptians and I wouldn't have stopped planning long enough to hear God has a totally different plan that won't work unless he chose it. So what needs to happen for me, first of all, I got to bring my request. I got to give, I got to be thankful. And then I've got to let his peace surround my heart and my mind. And it says that peace passes. You know Why? Is my mind still in that area? My mind is still thinking about what's possible, but the peace of God goes past me. The most dangerous time is not before we pray, but after. It's in that moment after we. Pray. It's your test. Will you hold tight? Will you believe? Will you really trust God? It's in that moment that the enemy comes to try to steal that from you. That your brain goes crazy. Have you ever been up in the middle of the night? Maybe you, maybe you had people pray for you. Maybe you prayed and you said, God, I know you're, gonna, you're able. I know you can do this. And yet in the middle of the night, you wake up with these scenarios running through your head. Everything that, or maybe everything you can do to get up. Ever been in that place? God. Peace of God. Guard. It is heart and mind that have to say anchored. The Israelites, they encounter the living God. First thing they're told to do, fight. Second thing they're told to do, stand by and watch. Third thing they're told to do, That's what we got to know. Today. First thing you got to do: stop panicking, stop whining, stop complaining, and listen to the voice. Of God. And when you know the command of God, start move, start walking. Because remember, the Scripture says, "With every trial, with every temptation, He provides a way." See, providing a way of escape still means you have to walk through the way. Right? You guys with me on this? It doesn't say he's gonna drag you by the stuff of the net. It says he'll provide a way of us. What does Psalm twenty-three say? That the good shepherd will lead us to where the good where the still water is. He'll lead us to where the green pastures are. He will lead you. How does he lead you? By his voice. He's gonna lead you by his word. He's gonna lead you by his spirit. You're gonna have to follow him. It says, even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, it doesn't stay. Even when I'm dragged through the valley, I gotta walk through the valley. Well, I gotta keep following the the shepherd. That's, you know, I know he'll get me to the green pasture. I know he's getting me to still waters. And I gotta walk through this weird valley where I'm, a, you know, there's bandits and there's there's predators. But I know he's with. As long as I'm with him, he's with me. His rod, his staff, they. Come. I just move forward. Tell the people move. <laughs> so let's hear what God said to the Israelites. Let's take it. When you're in that moment of panic, go ahead. Call it There's nothing too big. Nothing spoke. Now it's time. Keep that mouth quiet. Listen. Then stop struggling, stop striving. Here is the Lord your God. Open a way wasn't a way. can open a way nobody's ever thought of. This is why the big problems can't be solved in strategy. The big problems can't be solved with whiteboards. The big problems can't be solved with a good, just a conference of, of great thinkers. The big problems have to be solved by people turning to God. Throughout the Old and the New Testament, when they needed an answer where there was no answer, they fasted and they prayed. We've got so sophisticated in 2016 that churches so often are like many uh, corporations. where Everybody's got good ideas and thank God for good ideas. God gives you wise people with wise counsel, with skills. I believe that. But there are times where the only answer is to seek the Lord. There are times, nobody, no matter how smart you were, in fact, the smarter you are, the less you would have thought of that idea. Walk. Stop striving. Stop panicking. Stop complaining. Stand by. See salvation. I believe you guys today are going to see the salvation of the Lord. Throughout the rest of your life. Amen. Amen. What is salvation? You know, I know salvation. We think of that being saved from hell. Well, thank God. For that. God wants to save you from all sorts of stuff. He is your deliverer. That's who He is. Stand back. And watch. God's not going to just tell you to stand still. At some point, you're gonna to have to move. When you move, no. Amen. Amen. Say what? When someone tries to copy how you got out of it, they won't succeed without it. it won't work. Thank God, These are delivered. Stand with me. And let's pray. Together.